it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. We have a group now, so check out the group. You get announcements much, much faster and also lots of little giveaways. Check the group out. Also on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And you can email me. You have a question, you have a concern, you have a comment, email me Saturdays with joykeys at hotmail.com. Well, today I have a wonderful guest and author. She's been on the show before. We had a great interview the last time. I don't expect anything less. This is Yejide Kilanko. I believe she's on the line right now. She's in Canada. Good morning. Yes, I am. Good morning, Joy. <laughs> Good morning. I'm sorry about the delay getting into the second half of the show there. Thank you. Thank you for coming back on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. I think you knocked it out the ballpark again with this book. Uh, Last time you were on, you were talking about daughters who walked this path, and now uh, a good name. Uh, You're just on a roll here. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that feedback. That just made my day. <laughs> you also have some children's books. Now, which one do you like writing better, the children's books or the ones for adults? Mm, I think the children's book because it's um, I can because the topics I usually write in my adult books are quite heavy, and, and so mm-hmm. the children's book mm-hmm. talks about it talks about mental health. So anger and anxiety, so they they have their own heaviness to it. But I can be like a child myself, right? So I can. I'm, I, it's a different way yes. of seeing of seeing it at heart. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I, I'm, I'm a bit partial to the children's books. <laughs> well, now let's tell the audience you are not just a writer, but you are a social worker. Uh, do you still work with children? Yeah, I, actually, uh, I'm still at. I switched jobs this week. Uh, so as of up to uh, last Friday, I was a therapist working in children's mental health. I'm still in the uh, in, at the same agency, but from this Monday, I said working a brand new program where we're going to provide in early help intervention uh, services to children and families as well. So still in the same field, still working with children, mm-hmm. but not in direct the moment. Wow, just amazing. And I found out you have a degree in political science. You have like three degrees, political science and, yes. <laughs> and, and then social work. So what made you decide to do social work uh, instead of the political science and go further with that? Yeah, so when I went, the, the, my first dream was to be a lawyer. And so my goal was mm. after political science, I would to go to law school. And, and then um, it was actually a personal uh, situation that made, that made me go into social work. So when I had my second child, um, he had some special needs, and I realized that I was going to, he was going to need a lot of help. 
and I, I need yes. to understand the system to help him. And so that's why I decided, I said, well, I'm going to become a social worker because if my child is going to need help, I need to understand the system to help him. And that's what led me to mm. social work. But it's, it's how life just takes you in a different path. And, and it was, you know, my becoming a social worker was a blessing for my child uh, because I was able to advocate for him. And also as a social worker, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm able to, you know, talk to other parents who have um, children with special needs to say, hey, you know what, you can be an advocate for you. You don't, yes, you may not have that degree, but you're still a great advocate for your child because you know that child best. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. important for you know, the child's voice. Um, and, and so I, in my lived experience as a mother of a child with special needs has definitely impacted not just uh, my professional work, even, you know, like even when it comes to my writing, the things that I, I write about, things I'm passionate about. So that's how I found myself in social work. I, ne- I never dreamt because when I was growing up in Nigeria, I didn't know any social worker. And so the very mm. first social worker I met, was in, in the States, when we lived in the States, because my son was born in, in, in Pennsylvania. And the very first okay. uh, social worker I met was a social worker at, at a children's hospital in Philadelphia. And she was such a fantastic, fantastic person. And so I said, wow. Yeah, so, children's so hospital was one, is, is one. Yeah. She was Sorry, such ahead, a fantastic human being. Yeah, and so she, I'm sure she's retired now, but she was such a fantastic <laughs> social worker. And so I told myself, I said, you know what, um, the way that she was a support to our family and to all the other families then, I wanted to be that, not just for myself, for my son, but also for other families. And so that's what led me into social work. Well, it definitely seeps into your writing. I think the specificity of certain topics, um, someone who's a social worker is able to talk about them because they've seen them or dealt with them or know their co-workers who have dealt with them. So that comes out in your writing. Um, Definitely the first book we had. The first book we talked about, you had albinism, you had sexual abuse, you had tribal issues, um, you had the colonial issues, you had all types of things in that first book. And this book, A Good Name, you know, stuff sneaks up on you uh, in, in this book. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about this story, A Good Name? What is it about? So, um, so a little bit of a backstory of why I decided to write about uh, a good name. So it was actually this book started 11 years ago. Um, my very first book, Daughters, was not even published then. And I was in the middle of editing Daughters, and I thought, okay, I needed a break. And so I decided to write a story, another story. So and that's when I started this book. So it's evolved over the years, different names, different characters. And so it was um, – I, I, back then it was very kind of – it was like a um, in the news kind of, you know, headlines, you know, of the headlines kind of. So there were lots of Nigerian women who were being killed by their husbands in the United States. And um, mm. the common denominator among the women were, they were nurses. And in some cases they were, so some, in some cases the old men were much older. Um, they went back to Nigeria and either married a nurse or married a younger woman who they brought to the United States and then trained as a nurse. And the, and the rationale behind that was that nurses will find work and that, you know, to work or, you know, a lot, they'll get paid a lot, right? And so most of the women, the yeah. men were kind of dead-end jobs and, um, you know, life didn't turn out for them the way they envisioned it would when they left Nigeria to come to the States. So this was their second mm. act. This was their own way of, you know, getting what they, you know, they believe that, you know, they deserve. And so some of the women, after a while, they're like, oh, well, yes, I, I know I'm okay with supporting the family, 
but I'm not okay within the tax tower. And so mm-hmm. that now becomes the conflict. So, and of course, you know, the expectation that, you know, uh, you hand over your paycheck or they're in control. And so the women begin to push back and say, no, I'm no longer doing this. I want to have a voice in this relationship. And then it leads to, like, you know, domestic violence and in some cases to death, uh, to murder, right? So that was um, mm. what led me to, you know, to write the story because it was all in the news and I was researching and I was, um, and so I was trying to, like, you know, what, uh, so in a way to say, okay, because we're having people who, when they would go back home and say, oh, I'm looking for a wife and, and sell that American dream. Uh, to the families, like, hey, I'm going to marry your daughter and take her to the state, and we're going to have this grand life. And people, I want yeah. people to understand that it's not rosy. And so you have to question, not that they're not men who are sincerely, you know, looking for wives or who are not going on. I'm not saying that all of them are abusive or all of them are going to do something bad to mm-hmm. your wife. But there are but some. There are some. Exactly. And for people to question that when people come home and say, hey, I'm looking for a wife, you know, to have a, a why, you know, what's your life like where you're coming from? Not, not having that impression that any, everyone who lives in America has a grand life and, you know, is doing no, well. And, of course, when they go home, they don't sense like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling where I'm coming from. Every, they're putting their of best course not. forward. Right? Of course not. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to <laughs> tell your family that you're struggling, that you're not the boss at the job that you live in a one-room apartment. You, you don't want to tell them any of these things. Now, uh, I had asked if you could read a little bit of the book. Are you able to do that this morning, to, uh, to read a little bit? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay, so great. I, so, so go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I'm reading from Chapter 29, and one of the uh, characters in the book is called Namzamo Gray, and she, she's an American. And um, so she um, plays a, a role in the book, an important role in the book. She's, uh, is, so Zinachidi is the wife's name, and so Namzamo is Zinachidi's friend. And so this is the first day of school for Zina, and so this is when she met uh, Namzamo. So, mm. Ezefa dropped Zina in front of the school building. Zina began to doubt her ability to navigate the day on her own. She stood on the steps and pulled out her to-do list for the day. A quick review settled her mind. The main door opened to a large hall. She exhaled when a white sign with the words, student registration, caught her eye. Zina joined the line. As it shuffled along, she hummed some eagle such songs under her breath. Her eyes were on the flaming red afro in front of her when the girl turned around. You're going to have to tell me what song you're humming, the girl said. I'm not having much success with playing named that tune. The girl's twinkling eyes made Zina feel at ease. They're Nigerian choruses, she said. Ah, I guess we're African from the melody. The girl held out her hand. Hey, I'm Nomzamu Gray. Zina shook the offered hand. My name is Zina Okereke. Some folks call me Numzi, others Num. Your choice. Zina gave Nomzamu a closer look. They were about the same height and had similar skin tones. Unlike her, Namzamu was curvy. I like Namzamu, she said. Are you African? Namzamu shook her head. The name is I'm a Georgia peach. Why do you have an African name? Zina asked. My mama named me after her Spelman College roommate from South Africa. Gorgeous woman. She's my godmother. Zina was too shy to ask Namzamu what she meant by being a Georgia peach. Maybe it was a pet name like Tomasa Joe. That name means, she asked. 
Marmosetic, it means she who strives or she who must endure trials. Nomzamu smiles. Fits me. I'm a resilient, fight that badass. Zina smiles. It's a nice name. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you if you know my godmother. Zina frowns. How will I know her? She's from a different part of the continent. Exactly. I know Africa is not a country. People here don't know that, Zina asks. Far too many people don't, Nomzamu said. It turned out that she and Nomzamu were in the same program. They completed their registration and hurried up to their first class. When the female professor entered the room, Zina rose from her seat. She looked down when Namzamo gave her a kiss under the table. Namzamo pointed to the chair. The professor raised her an eyebrow. Do you have a question? Zina wanted to cover her face when she looked around and saw that she was the only one standing. No, ma'am. Namzamo mm-hmm. teased her as they made their way out of the lecture room. Sister girl, what were you doing? She gave Namzamo an embarrassed look. I-, I thought students here also stand when teachers walk into the classroom, she said. Even kindergartners stay in their seats, Namzamu said. You better not give this professor's ridiculous ideas. It won't happen again. Namzamu glanced at her oversized chain, oversized chain watch. We have another hour before our next class. I need to get to the bookstore. You want to come along? Sure. After Namzamu ordered her book, they sat on one of the stone benches outside. The warm sun caressed Venus exposed ham. She missed outside time. Namzamo gave a little wave to a tall black man. He returned Namzamo's wave. He made a call me gesture with her hand. Is your friend? Zina asked. I don't know the brother. Namzamo nodded her with her shoulder. I'm sure you noticed his cute butt. Zina held up her left hand. I'm married. Namzamo shrugged. Your eyes still work, right? Zina laughed. You're funny. Thank you. I was going to be a comedian slash musician. I love making people laugh. I also love making people feel good about themselves. Nomzamo didn't look like someone who could, you could compel to do something she didn't want to. So why the change to nursing, Zina asked. I'm doing this for my baby brother, Trey. Two years ago, he was fooling around on a trampoline. A backflip back broke his spine. The nurses who took care of him did a fantastic job. Without them, wouldn't have been able to take him home. Zina reached out and gave Nomzamo's arm again to touch. I'm sorry to hear that. Nomzamo gave a right smile, saying, Sometimes life provides us with a luxury of choice. Sometimes it doesn't. The words brought a heaviness to Zina's chest. Your brother is still here with you. Nomzamo took a deep breath. He is. I'm glad I met you today, Nomzamo said. Zina with a contagious giggle. Zina realized she might have found her first friend at the college, Me Too. The rest of the day flew by. For the first time, Zina was happy to come home to an empty house. Tired, she stretched out on the bed and fell into a deep warmth. So she is meeting her friends. She's starting school. That's a lot of things happening for her. Okay, I got to ask. Yeah. Are people still going back home to get a wife? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes, they are. Wow, wow, wow. Yes. Yes. Um, so this is a very for, serious for matter. People, yes, because people, some people feel well that, um, you know, that marrying someone who's here, 
um, we, you know, you have different values or different ways, or even, even in some cases, it's not even just even Nigerian women who are in North America. They feel they're different. So they want a Nigerian woman from Nigeria. So it's not as if they're not Nigerian women here. Which you know, I, we I was about like, is this still happening? <laughs> okay. It is still happening. There are people who still go and home now, to find women to match. Now this is a there's he, there's a um, part in there where he has to pay a, a bride price. Is that still going yeah. on? Where they have to, this list it of is. things. Yeah. What? It is still happening. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! Now, um, for the people who are just tuning in, I'm, I'm speaking with uh, author uh, Yezide Kilanko about her book, A Good Name. And you can call in. I just want to let people know, 516-387-1745, if you have a question. She um, wrote this great book, and we're talking right now about men, African men going back home to get a wife. But I want this bride price. I, I yeah. see sometimes, this is going to sound weird, right? Sometimes I wish I was a dude because you. Sometimes I used to wish I was a dude because we had, they have more power. Men have more power in in America. You know what I'm saying? And also different parts of the world. Yeah. You know, it's a patriarchy. But now yeah. he has to pay this bride price. I don't want. I'm glad I'm not a man because I don't. I want to pay a bride <laughs> price. And, and 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 the thing is crazy. It has like crazy stuff on the list that have nothing to do with um. You know the bride or taking care of the family or anything like these odds and they're probably going to resell them. Yeah. Like I, I like even personally, right? Like, so in my, um, so you have to, so the, the tribe we're talking about here is different from my tribe, right? So it the list mm-hmm. and the expectations vary across different tribes. So even when I was getting married, um, so like the bride price uh, was, was a very neg- negligible amount. So my parents returned it. But they didn't return the gifts, right? So there's a list of mm. things that come, like, you know, scams and children, like different things they bring. Most of those items were actually shared out among the family members. Okay. And so even okay. I, I remember that even, like, some family members got, like, a spice of yam or something because they're like, oh, you know what? Zayde came to marry Yejide. This was what her husband's people brought. And then this is your share for being part of the people, like, a part of her village who raised who helped to raise her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I didn't and now get another, anything out of this thing. You didn't get anything out of it? <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was just, I think it was like, yeah, so they brought, I think they brought clothes in a, in a suitcase. Yeah, so that's your own stuff. But all the other things, you don't get to keep them. They get shared amongst the family members. Mm. Now, there's another thing you talk about where um, Africans that are coming to America are sending money home. And that happens across the yeah. continent, and, and uh, no matter what ethnicity, ethnicity you are uh, across the continent. I have I know people yeah. who had to do that. I remember one guy, um, actually I dated one guy, and I remember every month he had to send $300 home to his family. And, um, yeah. you know, at first I was like, wow, $300, what? And, you know, that is, and he was the son, and, you know, that was his responsibility. And he was very serious about yeah. it, and he would, separate his money, like, this is for here, and this is, I have to send home. Uh, so it's a yeah. very uh, serious thing. And, and you talk about that. Did your, did, does your family, do you mind me asking, do you send money home? Yeah, so both my parents are late now, but while they were here, I did. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and I still do not not directly to my to my parents now they're not here but you have siblings you have aunties you have I don't think I know anyone um, who's here who doesn't in some way uh, whether mm-hmm. you're you know sending Christmas time whether you're sending if there's a medical emergency uh, whether people are getting married whether sometimes it's a healthy situation so it's it's a very um, you know, like, and and the money that you know, like, that gets sent home, it's a lot. I think it was one time people were calculating how much people actually, people who are in diaspora, send back to Africa. It's a huge sum, and if that money wasn't going back, I I think things would be worse than they are right now. Mm. Right. So, uh, so I, I don't know anyone who's not sending something home. Yeah, yeah. And another thing you talk about is education being very important. Um, even though these women may be getting married, um, the families still in your book are talking about education. But the problem becomes many people, even yourself, you had a degree that you received uh, in Nigeria. Were you able to transfer that degree power, if you will, to America? Many people, they're driving taxis or they're working in a restaurant, but they, they could have been a lawyer yeah. back in Africa. Is that something that is still happening? Are degrees from the diaspora being respected from, from the continent to, in America, or do people have to go back to school? Everybody has to go back to school. Yeah. Uh, so now they have, I would say, maybe going back when Asia just came, things were, were more complicated now. Now they have organizations that would assess those, uh, your transcripts and try to see, okay, how can they? I know how how can they translate it into the degrees here? So, but things are still not straightforward. If you still have to, if you're a medical doctor, you still have to be more trained. You still have to pass all the exams. If you're an engineer, you still have to find someone to mentor you. So it, it's still difficult um, to pick up from like whatever you're doing back home, or even depending on how far you've gone at home. Let's say you're already like in your 40s and your 50s, you're already high up there. You can't just come here and transfer directly into those same jobs. Mm. It's almost like you have to kind of start all over again. So in some ways, maybe things are better in some ways, but some, in some ways things are still complicated. And a lot of people still have to go back to school and more like reinvent themselves. Because I remember no. when I came and I wanted to do a master's program with my degree from home uh, back in mm. 2004, it wasn't the university I applied to felt like it wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this issue of sending money home, but then you, you have these menial jobs here in America and maybe making up stories about where you are and how you're doing to your family so that you're not embarrassed. Uh, but there's some positive things that in the book, one of the funniest things, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not going to tell the, I'm not going to give it away. I'm just going to say gold tiles. That's all I'm going to say. Gold tiles. I, I was like, I, somebody probably thought something was wrong with me when I got to that point in the book. And I was like, ah! like, oh my God, I was on the floor. Okay. The audience, you don't know what I'm talking about, but when you get the book and you get to the part of the gold tiles, you will understand. You too will laugh your head off. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that was fiction. It wasn't. <laughs> what? It oh was my not goodness. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. Oh, my. So, so she has serious <laughs> stuff in here, but she has some seriously funny moments um, in, in the book. I, I, I don't want to give too, too much away, but you have love, and what is love? You know, if you're young, yeah. you, you think love is one thing, um, but then as you mm-hmm. get older, you see that it's something else. And this idea of going back home and getting a wife that you may not love, this arranged mm-hmm. marriage, you may not love, so you're thinking love is going to grow. Uh, do you see yeah. success with these marriages? Is this, is this a positive thing, or is, should it be, like, abandoned? People shouldn't be giving up their 18-year-old girls to these men to marry no, I, I don't think you should be you should be compelling your children to to marry you know grown men because yeah she was eighteen but she, as far as I'm concerned that you're still kind of discovering yourself um, mm-hmm. and, and I know that her parents you know, they were doing something good they were giving her a chance uh, like, you know that when she comes to America her life will be better and she'll have uh, but it doesn't always turn out that way right and 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 for mm-hmm. some people they, you know some people swear by marriages that so because they're okay you know the families know each other and because the, the idea that we don't believe like in our cultures you know across the different tribes we don't believe that individuals get married we believe that families marry in my in my language it says that you know you can have a bad wife or you can have bad in-laws mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right that you know that yeah. a bad wife is, is, is Worried about bad in-laws are oh my goodness that they are pain everywhere. Um, so that concept <laughs> that you know you're married, <laughs> you know, but that you know bad, you know. So the concept that because you're marrying families is important for you to know them. That you can't just come to the West and then find somebody in isolation and marry them because you don't really know. And that you know, so they, so they encourage people to come back home because they think okay that way we can do our research, we can find out are they good people, you know, are these kind of people we want to join our families to. But things are not, you know, maybe back in the day where you know you're going to the next village, but it's life. Is, things are so spread out now, and and people, now, and, you know, it's not like and I, what people like. What's that? There's a lot of folk tales you talk about in the book. Um, is that something that's still happening? You know, like if somebody cheats on the woman, cheats. The woman seems to have a short end of the stick in the, in 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 the way I don't know. For me, when I was reading, uh, in terms of she has to the man is the lead. She has to follow him. I don't really have a problem with that as long as the guy is a good guy, and as long as the yeah. person is knowledgeable and compassionate. I, I you know, but there's this um, chauvinistic aspects happening um and then it gets into the realm of the domestic violence and um how how can somebody know that they're in a domestic violence situation because you know people don't get hit but they are still in a domestic violence situation yeah yeah and 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 i think sometimes we've had um you know even conversations back home with you know like even with the nigerian women they're like oh but he doesn't hit you so what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Like it's that understanding of what domestic violence is, that it's not just physical, that it's emotional, you know, that there are different mm-hmm. levels to it. And that's the other thing I'm hoping that the conversation will spark, that the, for the fact that a man does not hit you does not mean that he's not being abusive. Yeah, you know, and, and that like, oh, man doesn't think he's being abusive. 
exactly because and and that's the other thing too like when i when i talk about how do we as women also prop up that system because mm-hmm. in some ways we're yeah. complicit too right like you know like when a sister comes or a friend comes and says oh this you know this is what i'm experiencing and they're like well just suck it out like you know what hey you know this it is what it is just try and bear it he's not beating you at least you know he's providing some of the time or he's not cheating on you just justifying it yeah you know? so that's having an problem, understanding you know? what, what, yeah yeah and, well, and sometimes when i, I think... talk about i i men Mhm. That ahead, it could ahead. be because they they've experienced that, right? And so they're like, "Okay, why should you have better?" Uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot going on. You have relationships, you have love, um you have, you know, the 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 aspects of familial expectations were so heavy in the book. I thought the guy was mm-hmm. gonna like drown in the in in his in this expectation, this this swimming pool of expectation that his family had of him, and um, yeah. you know, as an American, I I can't relate. I our, my family didn't have expectations. I definitely wasn't. I couldn't drop out of school. That that wasn't even a thought. Like that was never even a thought. Um, you know, definitely going to college, but if I didn't. Um, as long as I was doing something productive, you know. But for my grandparents, I needed to go to college, you know. Um, so, so every family is different, but I know for me and my family, they had expectations. And my daughter tells me that I wouldn't let her get anything lower than a B. Now, I don't remember that, you know what I mean, in school. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, I was afraid. If I, if I had even had a C or something. And, and, okay, mind you, she was an AB student mostly through her schooling. And so, but she's like, no, Mom, seriously. I was like, really? I was like that? Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to give away some copies of your book. Yay. <laughs> Yes, definitely. It's very. It's a great book. Um, now, do you are you already writing something else? Is there something else we can expect yes. in another year or two? Uh, well, I'm writing something else. So actually, when I said uh, that it took uh, 11 years uh, for a good name to happen, um, so it was uh, that initial manuscript. I actually ended up splitting into three books. So the first book Ooh. that came out of it was a it was Tim Butterflies, and it's a novella. And then, so a good mm-hmm. name is a second book from the manuscript, and then the third book from that manuscript is called "In Our Own Ways," and it's entirely set in Nigeria. And so, I'm I'm editing, I'm doing like a, a edit again for that manuscript. So I'm hoping everything crossed that I can sell that soon, and then maybe in a year or two, then that book will be out too. So, but yeah, and I'm also working on some other picture books, and yeah, so and also doing life and also working and. So. <laughs> now let me ask you real quick. What's your favorite African dish to eat? Do you have a favorite Nigerian mm. dish or some other part of Africa? Some some dish that you like? Uh, my absolute it's because it, we have this, this giant African snails. I don't know. They're they're not like escargot. They're like huge. And that is like when you mm. make them in a hot pepper. That is my absolute favorite. It's, that is my own and, caviar. <laughs> Ah, then do, do you know how to cook it? Is, or there's a recipe? Uh, oh, yeah. How did you learn about it? Yes? 
Uh, so, so I, you know, like it's a delicacy because it's expensive, right, to buy even back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like so we didn't eat it all the time. So uh, when we buy, you, you buy the light snails. That's how they sell them. You buy the light, light okay. snails and then you prepare them yourself. Yes. And so it, it wow. is, yeah, that is my app. Yes. That for me is the ultimate wow. delicacy. <laughs> you would have to not tell me there were snails. You would just have to say there's some meat in here because if you tell me, that is a snail. I am not going to eat it. Now, I have had hot peppers too, but I've never had it with snails. So you would just have to be like, boy, oh. you know, this is, I got some stew, you know, here's some fufu or something like that. Okay, I'm cool. Now, after I ate it, okay. you said, oh, so did you like it? And you said, oh, that was snails. Then I would be like, oh, okay. Well, it tastes okay. I'm 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 still alive, you know. <laughs> oh, you're dead. Not gonna kill you. <laughs> it's in a quiet taste. I must say that, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So for me, that you know, like, yeah, it's in a quiet taste. But maybe something that next would be fried plantain, and most people would eat oh, that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so, I love yeah. fried plantain. So oh my fried. god. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Do you have some favorite writers? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, so, in, um, like, uh, favorite writers in terms of, um, like Nigerian writers, African, or just Oh, uh, sure. We can do Nigerian writers. Do you have some favorite Nigerian writers? Yes. So my absolute, she's, she's late now, was Buchi and Meketa. Um, mm-hmm. So she was one of our first writers in Nigeria. Um, and so uh, because I think when I was uh, 13, I read her book, uh, The Joys of Motherhood. And uh, uh-huh. that book was said, like, I think, 40s. It was so, like, it was a shock to me how, the life of the women there was still the same, like, was still very current. Like, even though mm. we had moved forward in, like, education, and but it was all, in some ways, we haven't, we had not moved at all. Right, right. And yeah. that book, I, I have, what's that? No, no, go ahead. Sorry, you, um like, clicked out yeah. a little bit. Say it again. Yeah. So I, what I wanted to say was that it, way, it shaped how, I wanted to walk through the world as a woman, the things that I was mm. going to accept and the things that I was not going to accept. And, and so that book really shaped my understanding of what I wanted to be as a woman and the things that I was going to accept. And I was about, I think I was about 13 or 12 when I read it. And so that book. Wow. Very young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said reading very early because my dad had, like loved reading and had a library and had a big one and so and he would buy buy us books and so that book also played uh, you know and then the other route the other book that played a, a big role was was Roots by Alex Haley and for me it was like it was because I was living in a place where everybody was around me was predominantly black so the concept of what being a black person was because it was I would say it was until I moved to North America because before I actually understood I'm a black person because I didn't have to define myself like that back in Nigeria. There were other yeah. ways of defining me, whether I was, a, or I was from the, well, my tribe. But I, the idea of, oh, you're a black person, I didn't fully have that understanding until I moved on my move to North America. That, oh, you're a black person, and all the things that came with that. A lot of African Americans, when they go back to Africa, have reported that that's a sense of, they feel whole and, and at ease because everybody around them is black. The, the, the storekeeper's black, the bank teller's black, the, the, the mayor is black. They're black. Everybody's black, and you feel at ease. And white 
Americans or white Europeans when they go back, go sorry, not back, when they go to Africa, they feel unease. They, they are yeah. uneasy to some degree uh, about uh, themselves. So that's how we feel, you know. We are uneasy because we don't know if the police are going to stop us or if some neighbor is going to call the, the thing on our kids to selling water, you know, here in America or Canada where we're not the majority. We are, at, at, uh, we are uneasy, you know. But um, – well, we could talk about a whole bunch of stuff in relation to race and ethnicity, yeah. <laughs> but we don't have time today, unfortunately. But I just want to thank you again for writing a wonderful book for us, the people, and thank you for coming on the show and, and, and sharing the story with us. Thank you. So it's always fun when we we talk. Time flies by, so thank you so much. Thank you for all you're doing, uh, you know, promoting books. You know, we, we, we can write, but if we have people, we'll have people who are invested in helping us get the word out there, you know, so thank you so much. Thank you for all you do for our community. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. You have a great weekend, okay? I'll talk to you soon. Okay, I will. Okay, you take okay, care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Nigerian author Yejide Kilanko about her book, A Good Name. I'm going to be giving away some copies, so you want to follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. On the Facebook, though, we have a group, so you also could follow the group, and you could get announcements faster, and also I had exclusive giveaways on there. So you want to be in the know to get a good giveaway. I do books. I do gift cards, all types of things, music. So you never know what's, gonna, what's, what's the giveaway going to be. And they're pretty simple. You just got to email me the answer usually. Be the first one. So it's nothing really crazy. I try not to make people go through hoops like, you know, tri- follow me here and do this there and put somebody's name and blah, blah, blah. Nah, I don't got time for all of that. I, I want to give them away. I, I'm not trying to keep it from you. You know what I mean? And fortunately, I've been um, blessed with many publishers have sent me uh, extra books. And if not, you know, I, I'm okay with, um, if, if it's a good book, I, I want you to read it. If it's a good situation, I want you to know about it. So I, I don't have a, a fear of uh, sharing the, the knowledge, so to speak, with you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. I hope you guys can tune in next week. Um, just let me, I'm going to be doing some live sessions. I'll probably post information about that so that we can have like a live conversation with each other and I can learn more about you and what you like and don't like. And uh, you can learn more about me and, and ask me questions. All right. You guys have a great weekend, a great week. I'll talk to you soon. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.